Welcome to the Muscle Intelligence Podcast. I'm your host, Ben Pakulski. As always, we frame this podcast around living your greatest life in a body you love. There's a lot that goes into that, and many people tend to focus on one or two facets, and those are very important. Some people focus on training, and they're really good at training, and other people focus on nutrition. They're very good at nutrition, but in reality, to truly live a life of excellence or to ultimately express the greatest version of yourself, there's a lot that goes into it, isn't there? There's so many things, and sometimes it's hard to start to conceptualize all of the vast number of things that need to be done, all the boxes that need to be checked, and ultimately where to start. Sometimes it can be overwhelming, especially with all the confusing information out there that exists. And uh, the goal of this podcast is to sift through all the noise and give you the best information backed in science and proven in practice to ultimately allow you to thrive. And thank you so much for being here. Uh, I'm truly honored to be the host of this podcast, a podcast that continues to grow week on week, month on month because of your support. And uh, we do our best to seek out the world's greatest humans, as I say, people who are doing it every single day. We're grinding, all of us. No one has it easy, right? We're all pushing at our highest level and learning to fill in the gaps, learning to um, do the best with what we've got and continually improve. That could be efficiency, that could be effectiveness, that could be less procrastination, that could be ultimately finding your soul's purpose. All of these things go into you know, pursuing your personal greatness. And today's guest is certainly someone pursuing her personal greatness. Hattie Boydell joins me today to talk about her journey from uh, an eating disorder through fitness and through challenging relationships and uh, to where she is now, which from my perspective has literally, she's transformed leaps and bounds even in the last two years. And People like Hattie give us hope, and she's always been a hard worker, but to see how drastically she's changed physically and mentally and emotionally in the last couple of years since I've met her is just nothing short of mind-blowing, and I'm truly honored to have her on the show and uh, talk about her transformation and her journey and her training and all the amazing things that she contributes to this community of strong women that we're building, and I'm strangely pulled, I'll say strangely, but strangely pulled to... Uh, support a group, a community of strong women. And I say strangely only because it's unusual for a man to want to support strong women, but I think it's because of my daughter and I see the strength in her and I want her to grow up in a world of, of confident, strong females. And Hattie is definitely embodying that both physically and mentally as she steps into her greatest life and leads a community of incredible females. I know you're going to love this conversation with Hattie. And uh, I want to give a special shout out today to one of our sponsors for the podcast, a longtime sponsor, Real Mushrooms. Guys, if you haven't tried Real Mushrooms, um, you're truly missing out. This is something that's become a consistent part of my daily routine. Um, Reishi, especially now with the immunity, concerns. Uh, reishi should be a daily part of your routine. This is a non-negotiable for me. Five grams of reishi before bed not only helps my sleep, it boosts my immunity and really makes me feel like Superman. Even if I feel like I'm getting run down a little bit, if my HRV starts to tank or if I feel like I'm, I'm getting a little sick, the first thing I reach for is reishi because uh, you know, many people say, oh, vitamin C or vitamin D, but reishi just seems to be one of those things that is almost immediate, right? If I feel like I'm getting sick when I wake up in the morning, five grams of reishi in the morning literally seems like it bumps my immune system right there. And then, and you guys know that I've been dabbling a little bit with cordyceps to improve my endurance. And I love it. I really do. I love my, my performance benefits. Uh, it feels like I'm getting better pumps. And uh, so I'm doing about three grams of cordyceps twice a day. I tend to keep that early in the day. And lion's mane, you know, I'm, I'm a lion's mane junkie and I consume it by the by the spoonful um, just because I really do see a benefit with lion's mane. And there's so many other mushrooms that uh, Real Mushrooms offers, like the five defenders, which would be something that I suggest everyone pick up for you and your kids uh, and your loved ones because it's, it's one of the greatest defenses against uh, any type of virus or any type of bacteria right now and just giving our immune system a nice, healthy bump. Uh, so head over to realmushrooms.com slash Ben and save 30%, mind-blowing, 30% off of your monthly supply of mushrooms. And I strongly suggest you guys get on a regular dose of mushrooms. Second sponsor for today's podcast is Belcampo. Uh, you guys have heard me talk about Belcampo probably a thousand times, and now they are uh, incredibly um, generous in offering 20% off the uh best quality meat, certainly in, in the U.S. Uh, thank you, Belcampo, for providing a 
you know, properly raised environment or a properly raised animal and a great environment and, uh, you know, truly changing the landscape of, of raising animals. And uh, there, for a long time, it was these factory farmed animals that, you know, I didn't want to eat and eating corn and soy. And I avoid that stuff like the plague. And I know there's a difference in price, um, but your body is everything. And definitely head over to belcampo.com slash muscle and get 20% off if you use the code muscle. So um, thank you to Belcampo. Thank you to Real Mushrooms. Without further ado from me, enjoy the podcast with Hattie Boydell. From the other side of the world, one of my favorite humans, Hattie Boydell. Welcome, my dear. How are you? I'm so good. I'm so excited. I'm also nervous. <laughs> Don't be nervous. We have conversation all the time. It's great to have you. So you're someone, as I said, just before we start recording, that I'm going to pull this out of you. And I first became aware of who you were about two years ago. So probably 2018, when you first came over to Australia, and uh, Jordan uh, kind of pointed you out to me and he goes, hey, Hattie's awesome. And she's, she's connected with Sebastian, who I was a fan of. And I was like, okay. So we met. And um, as I said, you're a very different person then than you are now. And we're going to pull that out in today's podcast, <laughs> what that was and, and the evolution. So I've been watching you from, you know, through, through our uh, connections, having made in Australia and then, you know, keeping in contact, um, watching you just change and uh, grow into this. Uh, you know, I've told you that uh, you're the warrior goddess, right? You're 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 putting out this persona of strength and leadership, um, and still doing it in a way that keeps you incredibly beautiful and feminine. And I think that's a really attractive and desirable quality for a lot of women, and that's why you're building a lot of a huge following. And you continue to build a huge following. So uh, this is all what I want to unpack. So I'm going to download your brain today. You up for that? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> There's actually probably going to be things uh, that I'll share on here uh, that I've probably never shared before, or maybe little snippets of it. So it's, um, yeah, it's going to be well, quite, uh, I'm gonna, quite a I'm going to go there. One, so I, I have this uncanny ability to read body language. So <laughs> when you feel really uncomfortable is when I'm going to pull it out of you. Uh, yes. My so, friend, you're so, you're so, um, you've got so many emotions, so many facial expressions. <laughs> you do? I do. That's good. That's good. You're an expressive yeah. person. Okay, so you are a multiple-time WBFF world champ, yes? I'm actually only a one-time world champ, but I was also the, the North American champion. Got so tell me, about, tell me about that. So when did that start for you? So you haven't always been a competitor. Tell me about that. Yeah, so I started competing in, I think it was 2011. And... I mean, everything I did back then was very amateur. Uh, I think I took me. What, what eight, does that mean? Just like the type of show, or the way you 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 took it on, the way you approached it. All of that. I remember getting on stage. There was like six girls, and I was introduced to fitness modeling from a colleague of mine at work. So I think I was twenty years old, and I was watching her, and her body just transforming like week by week, and I was just mesmerised by this dedication and this discipline that she was executing. And it reminded me of what it was like when I was competing as an elite athlete for gymnastics. Gymnastics, yeah. Yeah. And she said, Hattie, you should give this a go. Like you'll be really good at it. And so I said, okay, um, will you get me ready? And eight weeks later, you know, I'm – on stage, I had no idea what I was doing. I remember even doing like a back pose and they were like, no, bodybuilding poses. And I was like, oh, <laughs> what do I do? Um, and I, I came second in that show. And two weeks later, you know, I kind of, you know, I learned a lot from that experience. I was like, okay, my posing, I don't really know what I'm doing. I remember going on the internet and looking at um, all the bikini girls at that time and watching them pose. And, okay, look like. Um, and two weeks later, I ended up winning that show in Melbourne, which then qualified me for the internationals. And then I ended up winning my short category and then coming second in the overall. And that was like my little taste tester of competing. And yeah, I, I mean, right my away, like right away, you're like, I love this. I'll keep going. Cause you had the success. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
I was comp- I'm competitive by nature. I no, started you're not. never. <laughs> I started competing when I was four years old as a as a gymnast. Yeah. Wow. So, and then I did that for nine years at the highest level. I would go to the AIS to um, train in Canberra, um, and I would do that for months and come back and do that for months. And so, when I stopped doing that, when I got to high school and my interests changed from you know. Sports. Sixty boys. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I picked the other one. Um, you know, it was it was like, oh my god, I have this purpose. Like, I'm training for a reason. I have to be better than I was the week before. I was seeing my body change, uh, and I liked winning. <laughs> so it's um, yeah, it just gave me this taste again for competing. Um, but, you know, in that time when I was 20 years old, I, I still had some, I was still working on the relationship with myself. Um, I, I don't know like, who's listening to this, but um, yeah. when I was 16, I suffered an eating disorder and I was hospitalized. And so, you know, I, I kind of, I was on some pretty tricky terms, you know, being in a recovery phase still, like as a young 20-year-old, um, still learning and developing and then going into a competition that is there's a nutrition element to it and there's a restrictive eating element to it and there's a mm-hmm. overtraining and training element to it. And my parents were like, oh, how do you, like, is this really what you want to be doing? Um, but I was really lucky that, um, you know, even, like as I was even going through having a knee disorder, I became very conscious of my thoughts. And so something I recognised was that, oh, this kind of journey that I'm about to go on, it can go one or two ways. And I chose to go, well, if I'm going to do this and I want to be successful at it, what do I have to kind of learn? Who do I have to be helped by? What do I have to be conscious of? And also what's my mindset around my training while I'm in competition and my training when I'm outside of competition? And, you know, that's, that's a, I think that's a pretty tough journey for a lot of people to go on. You know, we hear about post-competition blues and, and, you know, people doing off-seas and not doing it. I had moments that had to work through that. Um, but, I, le- I, you know, honestly, I've learned so much from competing, so much about myself from competing. Yeah. Um, and to the point where I'm, okay, I'm like, okay, how do I do this in the healthiest way possible? If there is a, if there is a way of doing it, yeah, I'm sure my best doing it. Um, yeah, so fast forward a few years later, um, I think I won my pro card in 2014, 2014. Um, became a pro athlete and that's when things really started to take off in terms of my career, in terms of my, I guess, my name in the industry and in terms of, um, I guess, my systems. I was introduced to Sebastian Oreb. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 2014, who you know, Australian strength coach, yeah, and that was a that was a life changing moment for me. Really, <laughs> to so. be honest, yeah. Um, being introduced to strength training was like it was like this other door that I hadn't walked through before. It was purely performance driven, mm-hmm. whereas all the other training I was doing was still aesthetic driven which has its pros and cons like everyone wants to look good but you know when you're still kind of trying to unwrap those attachments to um value of how I looked like this one really just was like has nothing to do with the the way you look dull it's like how are you performing and it really made me go holy shit this body is amazing like, I remember hating my legs then. I remember even getting ready for shows. I didn't train my legs because I was like, no, they can't be bigger. It, I had like, oh, I, you know, I remember high school, hated my legs. My, my boyfriend told me, oh, you know, these things, like, they're so strong. <laughs> like, these bad boys, like, you right. know, I love my legs, right. you know, and I, and I often think back, if I didn't have the eating disorder, would I, would I appreciate my body the way it is now? Because I appreciate this bloody machine, like, where the, I'm passionate about seeing what it can do. It's so great. I'm passionate so great. about looking after it. 
Yeah, I think a lot of women um, have that stigma in their mind about I don't want to lift heavy because I don't want them to get big. So I'd love to have you pull that out and go, well, how did I go from, um, you know, wanting to have smaller legs ultimately or not liking my my muscular legs to now acknowledging that your your squat is world class for someone your body weight and you still have muscular legs, but they're not in any way unfeminine, right? They're incredibly feminine. And you're this amazing representation of someone who works hard, embodies virtue rather than vice. And when I say virtue rather than vice, it's this conversation of like, I'm becoming a better person. I'm working myself. I'm honoring my body rather than just being attached to the external gratification of Instagram. Like, hey, this, I got a thousand likes on this today. Awesome. Good for me. And that's, that's the virtue and vice balance, right? So I love to talk how you made that switch in your brain. You know, something I guess that I'm heavily driven by is um, progress. Yeah. And just shifting away from, you know, the way I looked just had its own, like, incredible, it had its own, like, experience and lessons for me. And, you know, I mean, that, that thing of, like, getting, lifting heavy and getting big legs, like you mentioned before, is, like, anyone can get big if you eat too much. Like, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's... So do you think just being attached to the performance allowed you to kind of forget like, Hey, if they get bigger, they get bigger because realistically your legs aren't, aren't, they're muscular, but they're not huge. You're in your very good shape. So I think that's the paradigm is like most people have this belief that, Hey, my legs are going to get bigger when it's really just, they, they're probably over body. They have too much body fat. So they have a bad relationship with themselves. Therefore they eat to compensate for that. Right. And you clearly kept a really, tight body composition, which allowed you to appreciate the progress without being negatively attached to big legs. Well, there was actually two things that happened in that time, Ben. So here's my two. There it is. Getting introduced to strength training was one. And then also learning flexible dieting was another. Great. So I remember working with Lane Norton uh, in 2014. And that was where I started to go, okay, What's the relationship that I have with food and myself? And again, if I'm going to do this long-term, what is a sustainable process? What can I learn now that's going to improve my future self, essentially? So strength training, again, not about the way I looked, but about how I performed. Cool. If I'm going to perform at my best, how do I fuel that? Like if I want to be an athlete, what does an athlete have to do? Sleep, recover, eat quality nutritious foods, eat a, a certain amount of food to be able to perform a certain amount of way. Right. So, so, yeah. So what you just defined there, sorry to cut you off, but in That's my brain fine. where I went to, what you just defined is a toward motivation, right? You're moving towards something. And most people are moving away from something. I don't want to be fat. I don't want my legs to be big. I don't want to be seen as someone who's a muscular, right? So that's an away mentality. You have a toward mentality. And that seems to be a much more positive way to approach it when you say, this is who I want to become. Like the, the ability to, to future pace yourself and go, hey, this is who I want to be in five years, like you just said, it's not very common, right? It's not very, that's not normal. Ben, it's I'm not. laughing because um, I'm a daydreamer. Like yeah. <laughs> I laugh to my friends. I'm like, you could tell me a story, Ben, and I will play that story in my mind so, so visually that it's almost like I'm there. And it has its pros and cons. Like I can create really awful situations, but I can also create really amazing situations. And I use visualization as a tool and I always have. And something I learned when I was sick, Ben, was that we have parts to us. And something that was very helpful in my recovery, I know I'm jumping around a bit, but it's, it's got its place, is that I noticed that when I was, in, in, when I was sick, I was like, this is not me. There's just this part of me yeah. that I control. And so I could separate the eating disorder from my, my true self because my true self was loving and nurturing and happy and kind and playful and um, extroverted. And this other part of me was the complete opposite. I was a liar. I was manipulative. I was introverted. I was angry. I was sad. And, and, by able to, by being able to separate them, I could I could notice what my thoughts were and what the eating disorder thoughts were, and that was a really that was really helpful 
in being able to separate those things, but also being able to, I guess, rewire new behaviors and new thought patterns. And also that visualization of who do I really want to be? Who am I? Like, who do I, who am I? Such a deep question. I hate that question, but who do I really want to be? And it wasn't that person was there. You know, when I moved into fitness modeling, I was like, I want to be the world champion. I want to be, I want to be the greatest of all time. I want to be the best that I can. And what does that look like? And that looked like (laughs) changing habits of babies and being really uncomfortable. and, And unfortunately, you know, doing things I hadn't done before that were really scary. Not unfortunately. That's the, that's the brilliance of it. And that's the courage, but speaking quickly to that, that separation of body of, of parts, that's a really important thing to acknowledge. Right. And I think for you just to know, I mean, I'm sure you acknowledge this already. And for anyone out there, that part of you is a part of you and it was only protecting you, right. It was doing some behavior to, to hopefully protect you from something and you go, okay, thank you. I appreciate you being there. I don't need you to protect me anymore. Like you take whatever context you want, but learning to love all of those parts of you is, is one of the ways that I have been able to step into myself. Right. It's, it's funny when I was a professional bodybuilder, I literally for many, a huge part of it, I didn't like the way I, I didn't like the way I looked. Right. I was like, I was always so self-critical. So I literally put those pictures away. So like, I don't want to see that. I hate that. I hate the way I looked. It's crazy. Right. <laughs> Yeah. And so I literally hide the pictures in drawers and shit. And like, I'm like, now I'm like, no, I take it all out and I, and I enjoy it as part, like, I love what I look on, on the Olympia stage or on the Arnold stage, right. But in the off season and times when I wasn't in perfect shape, I didn't want to show that. I was like, no, don't, I don't want to show. And I was like, so I didn't like who I was. And as soon as I learned to love that as part of the process, I, le- I learned to accept all parts of me. And that has allowed me to be a much stronger person and show up as someone who's always in love and always accepting of myself, that allows me to be loving and accepting of others, right? I think a lot of people go through that is we try to bury and suppress those pieces of us we don't like and, you know, call it the shadow pieces, the dark pieces. But without learning to love that, you can't truly embody your greatest self. Uh, I meant that, Ben, and, um, you know, I guess this last year um, has been my probably one of my biggest years of self-development. And to say that after all the things that I've been through is like a really big statement. Um, I can see year, it. I, I, I think everyone yeah. can see it. <laughs> you know, like, so when I was younger, Ben, um, I was really badly bullied in primary school, like mm. really badly bullied. And I noticed that when I was sick, I adopted the, the bully. I became my own bully. and. Like that's, and, and I realized that, you know, now, um, but I became all of those qualities of what those girls were doing to me. Wow. And that, that's, you know, that was pretty hard. And I had to, you know, come to terms with that. And like you said, where that, there was a part of me that was trying to keep me safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at some point that part of us, <laughs> it, it's, it, we don't need it anymore. We thank them for it. Like you said, mm-hmm. we have to, you know, learn to invite other parts of us to to come into play and it's not about minimizing (laughs) like you said it's about accepting and thank you and then going well what other parts of me can I use you know for this particular moment in my life Mm -hmm. Um, and this last year I really became curious around all my behaviors in particular the ones that didn't serve me yeah and that was really uncomfortable so talk to me about that because like you know, just giving the audience context. I think I met you the first time in 2018, no, 2019. And then exactly again, a year later, you came to a camp. And this is, this is exactly one year from that. So it's literally like our, our one, our two year anniversary and we've celebrated. (laughs) So uh, tell me what has changed. First, I'd like for you to go back to 2019 in March, which is two years ago today. And what's happened in that first 12 months? Because between those two times, you were a different human. And then between 12 months previous to now, those 12 months, you, you were again a different human. So I, that, that process of, of person development and growth is what really um, excites me and intrigues me to see. Because your level of awareness of yourself is tremendous. That, that I can see that on you. But walk me through what happened there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pry. Okay, so wait, which which year do you want? Start with the first year, year. nineteen to 2018, twenty. Two thousand eighteen or nineteen to twenty. I think it was nineteen to twenty. 
Yeah, so I met you in 2018 and it's funny, I was also reflecting on that moment because I was like, man, you met me in such a sad time in my life. <laughs> um, your, your, your energy was very um, disconnected. No, di- disconnected. You, oh. you were very much, um, yeah, not present. Oh, yeah. From 2018, end of 2018 to actually up until mid this year, I was really sad. I was going through a friendship and relationship breakup, um, a lot of shifting of really close friendships to the point where to my, to my system, because I've got you know, very strong attached parts, um, they felt like death. Mm. And so I was grieving these relationships that were still alive. You know, it's, I, I, I really, I was, it was really tough. I was, mm. it was very fresh. Um, the, the breakups and the shifting of the relationships. And there was a lot of disbelief and betrayal. And that was really difficult to deal with. I really lost myself, you know, and I'm so grateful for, for Bass. I remember I, it was the first time my entire life, I think, well, actually since I was 20 when I went traveling, that I'd taken time off training because I couldn't actually go. I couldn't physically go to training. And I also had a business to run and I couldn't be seen being sad. And I cried every single day, literally from 2000 and December 2004 to December 14, 2018, till May 16th, 2019. I cried every single day. You know the dates. That's amazing. Right. I was like, how do these eyes, where is this water coming from? What? Oh, it was so sad. And Bass would just come in. I'd come in and I'd maybe do like two squats and I'd come out. Like you got me at the good back end. Like that was still a bad time. Um, and so I, yeah, I was so disconnected. I was so sad, Ben. I was in so much disbelief of these relationships that had uh, betrayed me. And as you can see, I'm uncomfortable. Um, I didn't ever think that would happen to me. I just didn't think my friends would do this. So I had to like put on a brave face for people and it was just, it was just really hard. And, and I remember my mum saying to me, she called me one day and she was my whole family, my friends, everyone was worried because the breakup of these friendships that I had and the, the situation that happened, which I, I won't go into, um, it broke up. Like the whole friendship group changed. There was a whole shift and it was like, you know, that was another thing to navigate around. And I remember my mom calling me, like my whole family was upset and my, my mom called me and she said, Hattie, I think you should have a year off competing. And I was like, mom, I have not worked this hard to be where I am to have a year off competing. And I remember from that moment, something that we spoke about off this call, Ben, was about, you know, being in a when you go into a competition prep, everything else gets pushed to the side. Mm -hmm. That is the the priority. It's like I was like I remember the next morning and I just didn't cry because I was like, no, I'm doing it. And I completely shut down my emotions, literally didn't cry for six months. (laughs) I went from crying like literally every day to like zero crying to focus on getting ready for the worlds. I just was like, okay, I've just got to become a robot. Yeah, the I ability did. to carp, so you carp, you compartmentalized your emotions, and you just said you're going to put it over here. And now, when you were done with the show, was there like a cathartic release? They could just. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when the when the show was over, um, you know, I was overseas. I was in Tulum, which is a place where I feel very more regulated. I feel very safe there. Um, also, because I can isolate myself. So I'm an extrovert, but I'm also quite introverted. <laughs> but some people don't know that. Two like, different sides. Well. Yeah, two different sides. Mm-hmm. Um, but over there I could be whatever I wanted. I was I was away. Like I was 
my system was like, this is good here. But, of course, when I returned to Australia, triggers, songs, smells, places, people, um, and so everything came up again. And I worked with a neuroscientist, um, a neuroscientist to help me um, navigate my nervous system because I was just triggered all the time, um, and that was super helpful. What, what would a trigger feel like, Addie? Oh, so a trigger, um, as an example, if I went back to my, my ex-partner's house mm-hmm. um, to do some work, I would just cry. Like I would just, the emotions, like the anxiety would come up. Um, I'd get like heat in my chest, um, elevated heart rate. My eyes would just start swelling and I'd just cry and I'd, and I'd start like almost like hyperventilating. And so that's an extreme case because you're going back to that partner's house. But was there other stuff around the city or that was like that was triggering you? And was it the same type of feeling that came up? Um, yeah, certain like cafes, mm-hmm. um, songs. songs. I couldn't listen to a song that was about love. I was like, oh. <laughs> oh so it God, brought you back up. to the emotional place. Of, oh, the emotional place. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so what work did you do with the neuroscientists and what um, kind of approach did you guys come up with together? We started looking at different parts of us. So as an example, there's a part of me that I call the lioness. And the lioness, even if I think of it, I'm like, she... You're, you're literally moving like a lioness right now. <laughs> She's like... She's like very strong, very fierce, very. So for sick. anyone that's listening, yeah. she, you need to watch the video of this. <laughs> um, she comes out on stage. She comes out like, you know, if I'm out at a party, she comes out. When I'm in like a group of my good friends, it's like a very energy. Very, um, it is a beast. Like, so she can come out in the gym when it's like time to go. Um, and then I've got another another part of me that's like. I call her the pussycat and she comes out when she's like super playful and just wants to play everyone. Then I've got the, the, um, the athlete that comes out and that's all the soldier. The soldier comes out when it's time to um, get ready for a show. And she's like very emotionless. She's just very process driven. It's like write down what I have to do, tick it off, get it done, execute, reflect. Okay. What's the next thing? Um, and even as I say that you can tell like the playfulness is gone and it's just like, do this, do this, do this, chop wood, carry water kind of thing. Yeah. And so we started to identify all the different parts of me and then what level of activation they have from high to low. And if I go and flip to the other side, because they're all high activators, they're all um, you know, energetic, um, very fight party, so they, they're very pro, like they do things, they're doers, all of those. On the other side, of that, you know, I have parts or collapsed parts and they are, like the little, if I call her the little girl, so the girl that was bullied, and she shows up when in authority, when there's someone that's trying to tell me that I haven't done something right, and she's very introverted and doesn't speak, and I'll freeze, and you'll talk to me, and I would not be talking like this. I'll be like nodding my head or, okay, yeah, submissive. And so it was really, um, that was like the first part is like, well, let's let's look at all these parts of you. And then, and then who is Hattie? Like what is self-energy? And I was like, well, what is self-energy? I don't know. I haven't felt self-energy in years. Like, what is that? That was a really, it was like, what is, what is self-energy? I've got no idea because I just know that I've been going from parts to parts to parts. Fight, collapse, fight, collapse. That's all I've been doing over the last year. Fight, freeze, submit, collapse. Like, that's all I've been doing. There's no self-energy. Um, and so that's a really big open. Because I had no idea what self-energy felt like. I didn't know what just Hattie was for so long. And it's been really nice then to experience Hattie again. And this year or last year, actually, um, my sister got a new boyfriend and I met him at a time where I was really sad, just just like you. And I said to him last year, I said, Jimmy, I know you met me earlier, but now you're really meeting me. And I'm so sorry 
that you had to meet me in that way. And he, you know, he gave me a big hug and he's like, oh, Hattie, I love you. And I was like, no, now you're really going to get to know me. <laughs> now you're going to see Hattie because, you know, working through those parts and, go, and, and learning how to regulate myself. So regulation is being able to bring yourself from a part into, um, I guess, your prefrontal cortex coming online, being able to use your left and right side of the brain, being able to be um, regulated state. Um, you know, I can be Hattie, you know, I can, I can be all these things without being, you know, going, tipping over my nervous system. Do you have an anchor or a, a process of getting back into your self frequency, your self energy? Yes, I do. What is it? Um, do you share it? Breathing is one. So deep diaphragmatic breaths. If I notice like I'm feeling quite anxious, actually, I actually did, um, some work with this lady who's a breath specialist and she even's like she we did um put the things up the nose and and she measured my um uh what is it my capnography yeah 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 mm-hmm. and it's like that breathing technique that you're using is perfect good like you can actually see your heart rates come back down mm-hmm. um your you're breathing also a very healthy athlete you're a very healthy human so your nervous system is adaptable right yeah yeah, yeah. um i find a new very regular which is funny because music was dysregulating for me for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, music, movement, very regulating, whether it's a walk, whether it's stretching, whether it's going to the gym, um, and also certain people, hearing certain friends' voices, seeing certain um, people's, you know, if I'm feeling a bit dysregulated, I'll FaceTime a friend. Helps me go back into my window. Um, even you, um, journaling. Yeah, is a bit journaling. Do you have an awareness? Um, of external versus internal regulatory things. So you just said some of that are breathing and some that are exercise and some that are movement. And those are relatively internalized things versus things that are external, like people or music. Do you ever consciously make that decision? Like, Hey, I'm going within myself versus I'm going outside. Not that one is right or wrong, but I think just curious if you ever become present about that. It definitely is determined by so um like if i'm car if i'm driving in the car and i'm feeling quite activated that's the time i'm like you know what i'm gonna do some breathing because i can just sit there and fill my big my big belly up (laughs) with air and and do that or even when i'm when i'm sleeping like to fall asleep um i also find actually looking at the sky I have this obsession with the sky. There's a reason for that. And if you want to know the neuroscience, like me, you may yes. already know. Well, <laughs> so, yeah, so there's, I, I think there's, most people would tell you there's two access points to the nervous system, but I believe there's three. So one is the breath, meaning you, you can turn up the nervous system or turn it down. The second one that you're mentioning is the visual system. So when you're, when you're in a focused field of view, like I'm looking fo- at, at something in front of me that's focused, it's a very sympathetic thing. My nervous system focuses and it becomes uh, stressed, sympathetic stimulation. When I take a panoramic view, like looking at the sky, looking at the horizon, it's, it's a parasympathetic input. So the nervous system turns itself down. And the third one that I think is, most people don't, you will, you will get this, but most people don't get this, is, is the muscular system. So because we have such an ability to access our muscular system at will, like I can create muscular tension in my entire body at will, as can you, and we can also <laughs> turn it down, right, at will. So I think that's another access point that most people aren't studying because not many people have the ability to control that system as well as we do. So those are your kind of three access systems that turn on and off the nervous system. Okay, as you say that, something just I just remembered something. So when I'm really stressed <laughs> in the middle of my sleep, then I'll do this thing and I like squeeze my body like super, super, super tight and then I relax it. And it's just this, I oh. do it unconsciously. I'll just notice, yeah. I'll start, oh, I'm doing that. And I notice that I'll do that when I'm like, I've got a lot of um, subconscious stress going on. Mm-hmm. It's never a physical stress. It's always a subconscious stress. Yeah, so it's a, it's a yoga nidra approach, right? A, a, a yoga nidra will do like body part by body part, contract, relax, but you're just doing the full body. So you've, you've created your own intuitive solutions. Brilliant. And it works. Right? <gasps> yeah. Yeah. It's really helpful. So I think a lot of people, so you went through most of this journey and this transformation. A lot of it sounds like it was self-reflection. It's like being able to sit in your discomfort and then 
looking for the tools around you and creating the tools around you ultimately to give you the resilience, the emotional resilience to be willing to realize that you're stronger than your circumstance, right? You're stronger than your emotions. You, you have these different avatars that you can choose to step into as you will uh, to serve the, the purpose in the moment. Does that seem like it kind of summarizes what, what it took to go through? You got a puppy? Oh, I've got three. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess there was a lot of, yeah, there was a lot of reflection. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of, I guess what I realized was that I said about competing where it fills holes. These relationships filled holes in me that I thought I, that I thought I'd, I'd healed myself. Mm-hmm. It exposed to me parts of my self-development that I thought I had done and I hadn't. I had friends to do that for me. And so when those relationships were lost or changed and shifted, I was left with these holes and I was like, oh, my God, I haven't done the work I thought I had done, which was like a universal slap in the face pretty much. That's how it felt. So what do I have to do? It's like, well, you know, I always say like life gives us us the lessons that we're worthy of. That to help us evolve. And when I say that, like people be like, what about people with cancer? I'm like, I don't mean that they deserve that in any way. Right. I'm talking about the lessons from the choices and the decisions that we make. That's what I'm talking about. Kind and of. I've made some shitty decisions, you know, and, and I ask myself, okay, oh, what is this doing for me rather than what is this doing to me? Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was like, okay, what is this doing for me? What can I learn? What am I going to, what, what tools do I need? What skills do I need? What am I going to learn from this? And definitely probably like one of the hardest, yeah, the hardest kind of phases in my life. Like I was, I, I never thought I would be that sad and, never, and I was wondering when am I ever going to be myself again? Like I literally remember just crying being like, you know, people would say the nicest things to me and I'd be like, are we talking about the same person? Because I'm not seeing that. Like I can't, I'm not seeing what you're seeing and that was really sad. I was like, I'm not, I want to see me. I want to see me. I want to experience me again. Like I, I like I miss me. <laughs> and so, yeah, midway through last year, after doing, you know, a year and a half of work, failing, failing, and trialing, 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 and and being again like going curious around my behaviors of like particular behaviors around relationships and relational rhythms, you know, environments, certain people. I was like, okay. What am I repeating that's not serving me? Where is it coming from? How did I adopt this behavior? All of those things is like, why am I, you know, what's this thing with attachment and authority? What is this, you know, my attached parts? I'm like, my God, you're so strong. (laughs) Okay. And, and like beautiful, you know, attached parts are beautiful. But I was like, okay, what, how do I use this in a way that I can become more conscious of it? So I don't stay around in friendships or relationships for longer than they need to be. You know, if I'm outgrowing someone, I'm outgrowing someone. That's okay. You know, does it mean forever? No. Just for this period of time. Right. It's not a judgment. Yeah. It's just an observation. And you, you have to be you, right? You have to pursue your, your soul's purpose. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I you always ask let... myself, Ben. So you go. You go. Go. I was just going to say, um, I guess a question that I've asked myself recently is what is my role in all of this? Like what is my role on earth? What is my role as a, as a person, as a leader, as an athlete, as a coach to my clients, as a, as a daughter, as a friend to the environment? Like what is my role in all of this? What, what do I do? What do I serve? What's my purpose? And from there it's like, okay, let's reflect inwards and go, well, what's my responsibility? know how do I need to show up what does my routine need to look like and that's always going to keep evolving you know that's we are meant to evolve we we've like you said like I'm a different person to what you meant 2018 Mm -hmm. thank god um I think now you really get to um know who I to like who I more than what you did before um but it's been a great year so from my observation, right, and from the outside, you give women 
permission to be strong and feminine, right? And I think that's the most beautiful thing that you can, all, I mean, from my perspective, like externally, not, not looking at your emotional side, not looking at the way you lead or anything. It's simply this idea of you give people permission to be, to be strong vi visually and intellectually and still feminine. And I think there isn't a lot of avatars in this world that allow people to balance those things. Cause some people tend to blur those lines and they get, they end up becoming too masculine or they end up becoming, um, you know, ultimately feminists. So you, you've managed to embody this, this beautiful balance of, Hey, I can be a strong f female figure and still be beautiful and still be feminine. And I think, I think the world needs that. I think that embodiment of, of the true feminine essence is, is um, a gift. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> so I think my audience would be very angry with me if I didn't talk to you about your training because you're, you're known for your training. You're known for being, you know, I mean, we've trained together and you're an absolute machine. So um, I just want to talk to you about what it looks like now. We're going to talk about contest. Um, what does it look like now? Because I know you're kind of in a, you're not competing. So what does it look like on a weekly basis or a day-to-day -day basis for you to maintain your, you know, your amazing physique, your incredible um, body composition, which you keep all year round, it seems. I know you, you probably don't think so, like, right, but uh, clearly you do. So I'm just curious what it looks like now. Well, right now, so, yeah, I mean, this last year has probably been the best I've ever, like, physically stated. Uh, it definitely helped not having a show because it, it showed me that my process is fail-proof if you follow it, right? Um, yeah. Great system I've got going on. So right now, um, you know, I, I strength train twice a week, so I train with bass twice a week. Uh, and so I'm squatting and deadlifting twice a week, um, beginning and end of week. And, you know, last year I hit my goal of squatting 150 kilos, which was like my nemesis for like, Four years, I hit. I'd hit 145 kilos so many times, Ben. It was just like, you know, I think it's like, like kind of just. Mm -hmm. Um, so last year was was the year of being able to do that because I didn't have to cut and get ready for a show. So, um, you know, and I love strength training. I am passionate about training in general, but something about strength training, I think, because of the. I mean, it's performance driven for me, and that's huge. I mean, I I enjoy looking good. I mean, I, I pride in it. That's why I I literally track my food. I've been tracking my food. I just track my food. <laughs> like I track my food every day. It doesn't. I don't have an emotional attachment to it. So, what are your it's macros a, right now? Uh, One forty protein, four hundred fifteen grams of carbs. And 50 grams of fat. So I like to keep my fat lower. I'm a, I'm a carb eater. Do you fluctuate that based on activity level or is that your baseline? Baseline. Yeah, always the same. So if you um, are increasing your training volume, would that go up or would that, again, just kind of be, be pretty consistent? Well, because at the moment um, I'm actually in a building phase. So, but I've been able to pretty much like, oh, pretty much maintain my current um, my current body weight. So I've actually, I've improved my lower my upper body. So I had a bit of body composition, which is um, recomp, which is why I've you know been able to actually stay pretty freaking lean on such high calories. Um, if my training volume does go up, my food will have to go up. So, um, and it's really interesting because I've been I've been traveling quite a bit the last two months, January, December, January. Um, and so I've been eating out a little bit more and it's really interesting, like to go from a whole week this week, tracking all of my food, not eating out it at all. And then comparing it to like the last couple of months of eating out so much and, you know, kind of, you know, guesstimating and, you know, guesstimating as best I can. Like this week I'm hungry on this food because I'm actually eating that. Like I'm, I reckon I was pushing like 3000 calories or something closer to that, but, um, you know, it's just interesting, just so small, those, those two different you're guesstimating and, and actually measuring are two completely different things, I can assure you. Yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, my routine is my food. Um, 
I still eat out with friends like once or twice a week. My training at the moment um, is two strength days a week. And then I'm actually doing more of a high frequency training um, where I'm actually hitting my upper body and lower body four to five times a week. But it's just the volume is sprinkled um, over the week. Are you getting, having are you getting any one. cardio in or are you mostly just doing like walks and? No, I'm just walking the dog in the mornings and the afternoon. So I've got a little staffy. She's very high energy. But, um, you know, walking's so meditative to me. Um, but I, lo- I love cardio. <laughs> like I enjoy cardio and something that I love about getting ready for a show, Ben, is like I become this absolute weapon. I'm fit. I'm strong. I'm lean. I do it all. Yeah. And I love that side of it, but obviously you can't do that forever. Um, but, yeah, at the moment, like, I train six days a week. Um, obviously my strength training sessions, the, the, the volume's lower. Like I go in and do five by three or five by five or three by three. Like this, the, the volume or the, you know, the sets are so much lower in those sessions and then I've obviously got those high volume sessions, the hypertrophy sessions. Um, so you briefly alluded to this fact that you said you no longer need a goal. Your process is proven and that's so valuable. And you, you briefly said that you said it previously to the call. Tell me about that and we'll wrap it up because that's too important to miss because so many people are focused on the outcome, right? They're focused on the external gratification. They're focused on the $7 trophy. And I often quote that as like, focus on a plastic trophy and someone else's judgment of you and not your own self betterment, your development of character and your day-to-day process. And that's why everyone always uh, is empty, right? There, there's, it's escapism. It's, it's external gratification. So tell me about your process, Hattie. Well, what I've come to learn is my process is my self-love. Looking after my nutrition is an act of self-love. Training at the gym and, and working towards my own strength, my own building of my body is self-love. I couldn't love myself more enough. To, to honor that process and to enjoy it. Um, you know, I go back and forth between meditation and journaling. Again, my acts of self-love. These things don't leave me. They're, they're tools that I have because they deliver me a result. What's the cost of that? What's the cost of feeling happy? You know, freedom requires a different type of discipline. This is my discipline and this is my freedom. I love my body. I can, you know, I, I can walk around and, and really just – own who I am because I'm willing to pay the fashion to do a process honors the way I want to feel and the pro- my process honors the way I want to look. So there's a cost to everything, right? And that requires me to do these things. If I didn't do them, I'm not going to look like this. So I'm going to ask looking- you, I'm going to ask you a hard question. Okay. So if your body, if you were no longer able to train, mm-hmm. How would you feel about Hattie? Oh, that'd be very sad. Um, well, the first thing, I mean, obviously I'd be very sad. If I couldn't train, oh, my God. Would you still be able to embody self-love? Well, that was, that's what I would practice. Yeah. So would I be able to? Absolutely with practice because yeah. I can teach myself anything. So, so I would work on what do I focus on because – We can only control what we focus on. Yeah. So I think a lot of people, including myself, put their identity in their body. And when you Mm. can no longer uh, sustain that, you can no longer uh, or or choose to no longer do it or you're no longer able, that shifts your identity and you start to go, who am I? Right. You know, for a long time, I identified as this massive bodybuilder and I'm no longer that. And uh, so the more that I remove my my self-worth from that identity, uh, the more you start to question, is that really you? Or is that just, you know, this, this avatar that you're creating and like, who are you? Be, if that goes away, who are you really? And that's the esoteric question of the day, I guess. Right. Yeah. That yeah. question's so deep. Uh, and it's one I ask myself all the time, like, who am I? Mm-hmm. And uh, like you said that, I think um, that identity that like we put on, all these shields, like these armors, and we identify ourselves with all these things that we do, mm-hmm. which, you know, pro on 
And I think, you know, ask me that question, you know, would I still embody self-love without, without training? We've got, I've got the, the, the theory, right? Yeah, I'm going to practice that. But the, the, the practical is two different elements. However, you know, I've learned that you know, I'm the only one that can control my thoughts and my feelings and I'm responsible for all of that. And so I've shifted many times in my life and I'll just have to shift again. And uh, it might not be perfect in the beginning, but I would definitely practice you know, and, and focus on, well, what are the other things that, you know, that I can do that make me happy? Well, I'll tell you, you are so much more than your body. And you, you know that intuitively. <laughs> well, you know that intuitively, right? And, and that's where you go. It's like th- that's where the self-love is. It's not the body. It's you are so much more than your body, and you know that. Yeah, totally. I do love it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And you honor that. Hell yeah. Um, so tell the listeners where they can find more from you and where they can sign up for the Sports Model Project. They can find me on Instagram under Hattie Boydle and they can sign up to the sports model project through the, either the Instagram, which is the underscore sports model underscore project, or they can head to www.sportsmodelproject.com. And what service do you offer there, Hattie? Is it just for people who want to compete or anyone who wants to embody your lifestyle and process? Oh, it's for anyone who wants to transform. Anyone who wants to develop a good relationship themselves, you know, transformation is whatever that is to the individual. And um, I guess you might have noticed that the relationship itself is something that's really important to me. Uh, And that's something that is important to my clients as well. So, sure, if you want to get on stage, we can do that. But if there's something more than that, then do people get to work with you directly? And do you only work with women or is it men as well? Only women. And for those who, um, so everyone gets coached by, by me through direct calls. And then there's, an, there's, a, um, there's a group of trainers who we all help coach all the girls together. Got it. Yeah. Amazing. So, well, I love what you're doing. I love the fact that you're embodying the physical strength and uh, still empowering women to be their highest and best and develop character rather than just the the external, right? I think that's there's so much more that goes beyond the body and you embody it every day. Hattie, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thanks, Ben. That was awesome. That is a wrap, ladies and gents. I hope you loved it. As much as I did, Hattie is inspirational on many levels. Uh, to watch her train is incredible. And a lot of people say, I don't want to lift heavy because I don't want to build muscle. Hopefully that's not you. You see how hard and heavy Hattie trains. She is an absolute beast in the gym. Massive amount of respect for her as an athlete and as a person. Thank you, Hattie, for being here. Um, head over to social media to follow Hattie because she is inspiring men and women just with her intensity and her commitment and consistency. It's, uh, it's truly a beautiful thing. And I, I enjoy watching her train. I enjoy her commitment and uh, it's truly an honor to speak with Hattie. And don't forget to take care of our sponsors as they take care of us. They keep this podcast going. Realmushrooms.com slash Ben will save you 30% off all the highest quality mushrooms in the world. You should care about what goes into your bodies. Don't buy cheap things because if you're putting cheap things in, you're going to get cheap things out. You're going to get bad performance. You're going to get a bad feeling. You may be putting toxins in your body we don't know about. And thank you very much also to Belcampo, our other additional sponsor for the show, for hooking us up with free meat. 20% off meat sounds awesome to me. Use the code MUSCLE at belcampo.com slash MUSCLE to get 20% off. And guys, thank you very much for being here. I'm truly grateful. Hopefully you continue to get value from the podcast. And if you do, share it with at least one person you know and love and leave us a five-star review because we appreciate it. Thank you so much for tuning into Muscle Intelligence. If you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to share it with at least one person you know. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. 
This podcast is for information purposes only. The statements and views on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Ben Pikulski and the producers, disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not endorse or accept responsibility for statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. This podcast may contain paid endorsements or advertisements for products or services. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.